Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. You guys are getting spoiled. You guys are getting spoiled. Yesterday was a long day. It wasn't a hard day. It was a long day. Got up really early, recorded you guys a show, uh, had some things to write. We get into the whole the whole living life thing, living life on life's terms deal. And then uh, late yesterday evening, we had the uh, Zoom call with Coach Mike Leach, post-practice comments from him, his first comments about Mississippi State's first day of practice. We're going to get into all that today. A little bit later than that, we had a Facebook Live show over on the Bulldogs 247 Facebook page. That went about 35 minutes. Your questions, reaction, and then a chat session last night over Gene's page, 10 o'clock. So long day, productive day, because it was a big day. It's the first day of camp, right? I mean, it's not just any other day. We're getting ready to play football. And uh, not, not just that, but we have a brand-new coach bringing us into a brand-new era of football, uh, arguably the most colorful coach in college football. Say, said some things that might uh, raise a few eyebrows. And I'm going to go ahead and say this, too, just because let, let's go ahead and get out in front of this. Uh, Mike is going to be Mike. You kind of knew this when you signed up. Okay, there are some things he's going to say, and some of you guys aren't going to agree with it, and that's okay. You know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think John Cohen hired him uh, to um, to kind of be the, the comedian of sorts. He hired him to go win football games, and as long as he does that, you know, uh, nobody's really going to mind that much. But uh, made, made a comment I know that's already created a little bit of a, a stir on social media. But uh, but be that as it may, you know, kind of is what it is. And uh, I, I thought the comment was funny. It, it, it doesn't bother me. There'll be some other people that'll, that'll take issue with it. And you know what? You might take issue with me finding it funny. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care. All right. Let's move ahead. Our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsor of the show, man, listen, you're not going to find a great restaurant quality hamburger better than you are at Bulldog Burger Company. That's what they do. It's in the name, Bulldog Burger. But it's not a place just for Bulldogs. Everybody can go and enjoy the delicacies that we do. Why would we not want to share that with the world? We absolutely should. Bulldog Burger Company, two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas. And they're on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. I think it's important to realize that this is, this is part of a family of restaurants that has served the Golden Triangle for many, many, many years. Uh, it's important that you know that because they've got experience, they've got know-how, they understand what it means to give you good food at good prices and a good atmosphere. That's exactly what you're going to get. You can always order online, you know, perhaps if you're not ready for a dine-in experience. Go to eatwithus.com. You can order online there and go by and pick it up. Even curbside service is still available. So it's important that you understand a lot of options for you to enjoy the fine selections there at Bulldog Burger Company. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people in Starkville and Tupelo, go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, so let's go ahead and jump in here. A couple things. You know, Mike's not big on the opening statement. He, he made that comment yesterday. You know, he didn't want to get up there and pontificate. He just wants to go ahead and shoot questions and that sort of stuff. He did address right out of the gate uh, the fact that Malik Heath did not participate in practice. He would not go further. He didn't, wouldn't talk about a suspension. He goes, hey, we're still looking into it and gathering the facts. 
He said exactly what he should have said, but also, too, he did what he should have done. I think it's important for Mississippi State fans and everybody else to realize, you know what, hey, Malik Heath had this incident, and he, uh, he didn't participate in football practice, and nor, nor should he, okay? That's not to say that uh, he's going to be kicked off the team, as I said earlier in the week, but I think it's good that there are consequences. There have been some times with our program and others where guys go out there and have some issues and just kind of go on to live life as they always have. Uh, if people don't have consequences for their actions, they have no reason to change. So you have the offending behavior, you deal with it, and uh, and listen, you go ahead and shut that thing down, and then uh, you come out too and say, listen, you know, we're going to be fair to our player, we're going to gather the facts, but the bottom line is until this matter is cleared, he's not going to be part of our football team. Uh, I think that's the right call. And I'm glad he went ahead and addressed it and got it out of the way. One of the questions that I asked him, C.J. Morgan, you guys are well aware C.J. Morgan's been a you know, part of our program now for a few years and uh, one of the leading tacklers on the team a year ago and had a major knee injury against Alabama. There were times that people told me it could be career-threatening. He has worked hard uh, under the care of some quality physicians here and uh, has put himself back into football shape. And so I'm just, just curious about his availability in practice. When I asked Mike that, he, he didn't have a great answer. And to be honest with you, I kind of knew that going in. But I think it's important to kind of assess his progress and see where we are. I'm not exactly sure Mike knew who I was talking about without a little assistance. But listen, it's the first day of practice. You know, it's, it's one of those things to see those kids on a Zoom call. It's another thing to see them out there on a two deep and see them running around. And you know them by jersey number. So there, there's, there's already some threads out there on our boards and others. You know, people are commenting about, hey, Mike doesn't seem to know who C.J. Morgan was. And I think maybe I caught him a little flat-footed with the question. But it's not my job to love him softballs. You know, that's a pretty basic question. You know, when you've got a starter uh, coming back from a major injury, you should expect that. And so I don't think any less of Mike Leach. And I think people are making uh, a little bit much of that. He did say, too, he's not ready to name a starter at quarterback. And let's, let's be honest, that quarterback competition was one the day K.J. Costello signed the national letter of intent. Um, but you still got to make him earn it. And listen, you might hear some dogs I hear behind me, and you're just going to have to deal with it today. I don't, I don't have a kid to, uh, to, to, to intervene, so I'll do the best we can. But, uh, you know, he's asked him, you know, how's KJ's performance and how's he doing? You know, he said it's a work in progress. And, and listen, sometimes coaches talk to their players in the media. Along those quarterback lines, too, uh, and we talked a little bit about quarterback competition and went on to say that, uh, you know, we repped out Will Rogers, Garrett Schrader, K.J. Costello. Now, you saw some video from Hell State, you know, five, half a dozen quarterbacks out there throwing the ball around. People say, yeah, yeah, I saw Jalen Maiden. I, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I thought it rather interesting that Jalen Maiden wasn't mentioned as we repped him out. What do we mean by reps? Obviously, it's working team drills. And so if Jalen Maiden, the first day of camp, is not taking reps with the team – uh, I, I think that says a lot about his future here at Mississippi State. That's not to say that it's uh, you know a foregone conclusion, but uh, clearly he's not in the race at this point. Now things could change, obviously. But Jalen Maiden, according to Mike Leach, did not get team reps. And that is not exactly the phrasing he used. He just said, "Hey, we repped these guys: Will Rogers, Garrett Schrader, KJ Costello." I think those guys clearly fit his offense. And the fact that Schrader was mentioned I think is important too because there are some of our fans that I think have a false perception of Garrett Schrader's throwing ability and his ability to run a scheme like this. Garrett Schrader is an athlete 
that it's playing quarterback, but he is a quarterback. He is not a runner that throws it just for fun to keep the safeties honest. This is a guy that is capable of running the scheme. I've said that all along. and I don't say that again just to say, hey, I was right about this. Garrett Schrader is going to be a factor in this quarterback race this year and next year. There are a lot of people that they're basically already anointing Will Rogers as the heir apparent, and that's no slight at Will. But Will's a freshman. I think people need to kind of understand with Will, too, you know, he is acclimating to college life, going to be a great player for Mississippi State, but he's going to have to beat out Garrett Schrader. Now, I know some people said, well, the day Mike Leach was hired, that sealed uh, Garrett Schrader's fate. I, I, I say those are people that don't know Garrett Schrader's ability. You know, Garrett, and it's, if you watch that video yesterday, and it's, and it's limited video, okay, so we're not going to base any conclusions on that. But he was whipping a ball around pretty good. That was one of the things, you know, when he got here, you know, last year in January, we go through spring practice, you know, he kind of had a hitch in his delivery. I mean, it was really kind of awkward. And uh, I was told then some of that is just, you know, the, the recovery process. You know, he had a torn labrum. Uh, and just kind of getting him back up to speed. And, and you know, people forget, when Garrett Schrader got here, he was a beanpole. And then within four months, you know, hey, he, he was in much better shape. So he's learning not only to play at a different playing weight, adjusting his mechanics and that sort of stuff, uh, he's dealing with an injury. And so last year he also had to deal with, you know, some ineptitude uh, at times. You know, we had some issues at times on offensive line, so he had to run for his life. And there were times that he made life hard on himself where he would roll into pressure. And there were other times that we were, we hurt, we were hurt with drops. I mean, you guys, I mean, I'm not going to single out any players, but um, you guys are well aware we didn't always have the best of wide receiver play last year. And so Garrett ran a lot last year because, number one, it's how we could move the chains. But, two, that's the kind of player he is. He gets the drops back and – you know, it's third and five, and he sees a guy, and maybe he's not wide open, but he sees an opportunity to move the chains, he would run. You know, we played to his skill set. Mike Leach can make Garrett Schrader a great passing quarterback. And I think already, if you see again, it's limited video, so we're not going to go out here and hand him a Heisman Trophy or anything. But I think you look, his delivery is a lot more fluid. I, I thought he was a lot quicker with the football. Those are the things that come with experience and good coaching. Because sometimes I think, you know, we, and I include myself in this, we see these guys come up here and we think they're a finished product. We forget the fact they still got three or four years, you know, to develop before they're really thrown into the fire. Garrett played last year out of necessity. And there are a lot of people that say, and this is one of the things that actually we talk about, we address in Alpha Dogs. I, I, when I wrote that chapter, I interviewed, you know, a couple of players, one, one on the record. And, um, you know, when Keaton Thompson entered the portal, he lost the respect of a lot of the teammates. He did. Not all of them, but he lost the respect of a lot of teammates. And so while Keaton is in the portal, and I love Keaton, okay, and everybody's got to make their own decisions for their own self. I'm not being negative about Keaton. You only get a short time in life to play ball. Keaton said, you know what, I'm not going to be able to play here. i got to go somewhere else. He gets his degree. He is now a Mississippi State alum. And he's gone to Virginia. And I wish him the absolute best. I hope he goes over there and wins the ACC and beats Clemson and, and gets into the playoffs. I mean, hey, it'd be great. Good for him. But last year when he was in the portal, Garrett Schrader was working hard to be your, your starting quarterback. And he was chasing Tommy Stevens. But Garrett Schrader did what he needed to do. He was working. 
while other people were looking for other options, he was trying to move the maroon and white forward. And then when Tommy Stevens gets injured, we don't put Keaton in the game. We put Garrett in the game. And then everybody said, well, you know, maybe we'll just do a couple more games and let Keaton get healthy and because you know, Keaton had a little bit of an elbow injury last year and people don't realize that. But how would that have been fair to Garrett Schrader that after he has done what he was asked to do, he graduates high school early, enrolls in January, takes part in spring practice, comes to meetings, does everything he's supposed to do, and then uh, as soon as there is an opportunity to put him in the ball game, we go put the kid in that wanted to quit. What kind of message does that send to your team? And so Garrett's put in the work. I don't think we've seen the best of Garrett Schrader. That's kind of the point of all this. I think Garrett Schrader, number one, is going to grow by leaps and bounds with Mike Leach and his staff kind of helping refine the mechanics a little bit and kind of teach him a little more about the quarterback position. And some people get a little bit offended when you say that. Well, he's already played quarterback. Yeah, he has. But he's never played for the mad scientist. Mike Leach will get the most out of him. People forget, like, you know, Gordon at Washington State was a walk-on, a junior college walk-on. He wasn't a highly recruited player. He turned down like D2 offers to go to Washington State as a walk-on and he ends up earning a job. You don't think Mike Leach can take that kid? He can take that kid, do a great job with him, but he can't with Garrett Schrader? Give me a break. So Garrett's repping. Will's repping. KJ's repping. KJ is the quarterback. I mean, that's just – that's what it's going to be, and people need to kind of go and understand that. So let's get into more of some of these things that Mike Leach had to say. We have a – we had the video. If you haven't seen the Mike Leach video – you can go to Gene's page, and we've got it. We've got, as a matter of fact, it says video. You can go to the article. It's free. You can watch it in its entirety. Uh, a, a few funny moments in there. You know, we've got Augie, Brian Ogden, uh, kind of giving directions to people, and there's Leach off the side. And then uh, next thing you know, Mike gets into the whole talk about, hey, we got the Coke up here, but uh, where's the Golden Flags? Bear Bryant had Golden Flags for all his stuff. I thought that was hilarious. And maybe it's because I'm old enough to remember Bear Bryant. But the Bear Bryant show, you know, that, that was the, the first really product placement in the SEC was Bear Bryant because everybody wanted to be associated with Bear Bryant because Alabama was a winner. They were a national powerhouse. And so that was a funny comment. And then uh, our colleague Paul Jones couldn't, couldn't figure out how to get his phone unmuted, and, and uh, Leach makes the comment, you know, Paul, uh, Paul's as good with technology as I am. But uh, we've got that handled now, rest assured. So, <laughs> so we'll get Paul going. It was kind of a funny thing, though. Um, but uh, so let's get into it. There's a few questions here that he asked. I'll read you. And the COVID thing, that's the first thing everybody wants to know about is, you know, hey, where are you guys right now with your COVID numbers? Are you having any issues? And Leach probably handled it the best way you could. And it's like people are so big on the word transparency. You know, there are some things that aren't your business. I know that's a novel concept, but there, uh, there, there are some things that simply aren't your business and are not for public consumption. Uh, and player health a lot of times is part of that. You know, if you want to say, hey, this kid's not available, that's fine, but we're not going to give the reasons why. And so Tyler Horka, and I'm not throwing shade at Ty because it's, it's an obvious question. Do you have any active COVID cases? You know, pretty much that's the question. And Leach says, hey, if I did, I wouldn't tell you. Now, no, we generally operate fully healthy here. We've got great doctors and people like that looking closely into it at every turn. We've got a great protocol here. As a matter of fact, our protocol initially, when they allowed us to have some work, others modeled after it. It's very good. As a matter of fact, we've got pretty good video on that thing that Thomas, our trainer, put together. I was pretty impressed. That's a pretty cool thing, too, that Mississippi State was doing such a good job. Other people said, hey, since you guys are doing that, 
let's do it too. And we've talked about that on the show too. It, you know, one, and I, I understand that actually State and Ole Miss spent a lot of time talking together when this thing kind of first rolled out about, okay, how are you guys handling this? And, and uh, everybody kind of compared notes and figured, okay, this works, this doesn't. And uh, the SEC, for the most part, and that's what's so crazy, is we're all such bitter rivals and we, you know, we hate each other to win. But in times like these, it's kind of cool to see everybody kind of put their differences aside and work together. And so I think it's pretty cool that Mississippi State, right there in the middle of doing the right things, so much to the point that other people are like, hey, we want to be a part of what you're doing. Um, and so let me get a little deeper here in the transcript, a couple of things I wanted to share with you. Here's exactly what he said about KJ. Because I, I, I figured, I, you know, I want to ask the questions that I think that you guys would ask. You know, and I had somebody mention on the message board yesterday, hey, Steve, maybe ask, maybe ask Leach during the press, postgame about C.J. Morgan, his availability. And so I'm like, you know what, hey, that's the whole point of the press, right, is to be the voice of the people to get the answers to your questions. So I asked it. But I, was, I know that every one of you, like me, was curious to see how K.J. Costello was acclimating how he was doing so far. So here's what Mike Leach had to say. I would say it's a work in progress. Although I would say that about all of them, I think KJ's experience helps him some. Everybody knows each other's name and whatnot, but as far as KJ being in tune with this guy here and that guy goes there, it's been a little tough because we've repped an awful lot of receivers. And that's a good thing too, guys. That, that's you know, Listen, I don't know if there's anybody, honestly, in the country that does as good a job with receivers as the Mike Leach staff and Steve Spurrier and Dave Nickel. Because, again, remember – and we can automatically say, you know, LSU and Alabama have superior talent. They do, and there's no question. But the production that Mike Leach and his staff have been able to get out of his receivers at Washington State, who none of them were highly recruited. None of them. You may have got maybe Washington for one of those kids, but a lot of those guys, I mean, you're beating, you know, maybe Boise State. You know, there's just not a lot of guys out there that were on that roster. And so if you can take a bunch of guys that are kind of cast-offs and you know, under-recruited kids, and you can put that prolific offense together, it makes you feel good about what we're going to do here long-term. Just like quarterback, back to Leach's comments, we're trying to take the opportunity to see who can do what, and we'll get them slotted in the best position we can in a short period of time. That's talking about outside, inside receiver, that sort of stuff. The more that gets tuned in, the better it'll be. I think he does a really good job of taking charge of the huddle. He does a good job knowing the offense on the run. I've been pleased with him, but we've got a ways to go. Pretty typical first-day comment, but that's the question that everybody's asking, right? Let the coach tell us about K.J. Costello. Guys, K.J. is going to be fine. K.J. is going to be fine. And I like the fact that Garrett Schrader is in the middle of all this because I think he will push K.J. You know, I don't want anybody on my roster, certainly nobody in the SEC, and <laughs> uh, the starting lineup especially, that feels like they've arrived, that they don't have any room to get better, that they've already done enough. I mean, we've all worked with those kind of people, right? They, they reach a comfort, uh, a level of comfort, you know, couple, comfortable standard of living, and they, they, they quit doing the things it took them to get them there. I, I don't want to work with those kind of people. Uh, and so that's the thing with KJ. I think KJ needs Garrett to push him. Because remember, Garrett was the starter last year, as you guys know. And so KJ's not just walking into a situation where there's no incumbent. I mean, yeah, the coaching change helps and kind of levels the playing field a little bit. But I like the fact that Garrett is in the middle of this competition because I think it will push KJ to get better. So uh, a couple more things here before we kind of move on. 
uh, at, he was asked about opting out. About you know, we have players that are opting out. Coach says, not that I'm aware of, but they're certainly welcome to exercise their right to do that. And so that brings the question about Tyler Williams. Okay, and I've got a little information for you about Tyler Williams that I don't think has been made public yet. I found this out last night. Uh, Coach was asked about Tyler Williams and said, hey, you know, he wasn't at practice today, and I'll get some clarity on his situation here in about 30 minutes. Well, here's the deal. Uh, he, he, Tyler Williams has not participated in workouts. He has not been a part of the team in the summer. And so everybody has a reporting date, come back. You know, there, there were some voluntary workouts in the summer, and then there were mandatory workouts. So Tyler Williams has not been a part of that. And so now that we're through the first day of practice, you know, the scholarship roles are locked, that sort of stuff, I am told he's not going to play. And I think you look at, you know, his actions kind of show that. But that's kind of been kept under wraps for the most part. We've had a few people kind of close to that situation over on the Gene Spade's message boards that have kind of shared they don't expect him to play. I believe first day of practice was probably a do-or-die day. And that's not to be negative about Tyler Williams. We all come to a point in life we got to decide, okay, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm not. I'm, I'm done playing ball. i got to get serious about this, whatever. I don't know all of Tyler Williams' reasoning, but I think it is safe to say now he will not be a part of the Mississippi State football team. And that is a big blow for Mississippi State. He was expected to be a starter at cornerback, and so now you've got to figure some things out. And this is a guy, too, that Terrell Buckley once said uh, would be an NFL guy, that he had the potential to play in the National Football League. So it is a significant loss. And you begin to kind of couple these things together. You lose Jari and Jones. And, yes, I know that he was a two-deeper, but he was a guy that we were very excited about. You lose Fabian Lovett, who I think is an NFL guy, if he works hard. But that's three guys off your two-deep on defense from a team that already lost a lot from a year ago. So, yes, that is a concern. And to, uh, you know, to under – I guess to understate that would be disingenuous. Not, not having Tyler Williams, even though we've kind of had a chance to kind of uh, you know, kind of talk about that and kind of prepare ourselves for that inevitability. Uh, it does appear that it's just a matter of time before that's official. In fact, I think the next time we hear from Mike Leach, he will probably go ahead and, and give uh, a formal status update on that. Um, so that's my take on it based on the information that I've been provided. And listen, we wish Tyler Williams the best. And we appreciate his contributions to Mississippi State football. He will be missed, would certainly have been a big factor in our defense. But, you know, you can't – you can't sit here and cry about it. you got to get ready to move on. Our coaches can't sit around and say, you know what, man, guys, what about Tyler Williams? Man, you remember him? He was such a nice kid. I mean, listen, he's not going to be able to use that excuse in the postgame press conference. You know, if we go down to LSU and those guys throw the ball over us, he's not going to be able to walk out there and say, you know what, guys, we'd have won the game, but Tyler Williams wasn't here. You're not going to accept that. So we got to move on. they got to go ahead and make the plans now, and they will. And uh, we've got numbers, we just don't have experience. And that's the thing, is you've got talent, you just don't have experience. And especially in a position like that. that that's Considering some of the passing offenses that we're going we're gonna to face, it makes the rebuild of that secondary that much more challenging. The good thing is, is that they have gone through these workouts without him, so they haven't wasted reps on him that could have been given to somebody else. And so... Uh, that's the reality of that. And, and again, as I said, listen, Ty, if, wherever you are, we wish you the absolute best, man. Thanks again for your contributions. All right, so we talked a little bit about LSU. And, we, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire, right? I mean, you get going right out of the gate, the defending national champs, and they're going to hang a banner, and everybody's going to be all crazy. And uh, I guess there'll be about 25% of them there the normal. They'll still be loud. They'll still be drunk, and they'll still be full of jambalaya. But uh, it's still LSU. And the talent differential is, is tremendous, okay? I'm not going to understate that at all. Derek Stingley, 
arguably the best corner in the country. Uh, I'm sure he'll see a lot of Osiris Mitchell. So we asked him about LSU. I mean, hey, coach, I mean, you know, as a competitor, did, did you see that LSU thing and say, okay, let's go. We got time to go. Uh, here's what Lee says. Yeah, I mean, okay, so it's LSU. But what if it was Georgia? What if it was Alabama? What if it was Auburn? The list goes on. I knew it was going to be somebody. I'll say this. It's going to be exciting for college football. I think you guys would all agree with me on this. This is probably the most competitive and demanding schedule in the history of college football. Not just for us, but for our whole conference. If there has ever been an era, a day and a time, where there's been a more competitive or demanding schedule than what we have this season in the SEC, I'd be curious to see which one it was. I agree. There are no warm-up games. There are no rain of wins. There's none of that out there. There's really none of that. You, you can say, okay, man, this is unprecedented. Uh, and, oh, wait a minute, Coach. No, back in 1894, we played – yeah, listen, it, it was a different game back then. And not to mention, back in those days – we pretty much played anybody that wanted to huddle up. You know, it's like, like in baseball. We would play, you know, semi-pro teams, uh, you know, from Brooksville and West Point, places like that in baseball. You know, it was kind of like that in football, too. Like, there were times that we would play, you know, these little small schools that just happened to have a football team because people were just looking for a game. It was back before you know, the game was organized. And now that it's become such a financial thing, you know, all these TV contracts and stuff, you know – uh, you want eyes on everything, but there are a lot of people thinking, man, I wish there were some more competitive games. How many Saturdays, you know, for those of you that don't make it to games, and there's some that, that do and you, you get home in time because you live close, you know, we, we may play an early game, and then you, you, know, you get home and you're thinking, man, I want to see a good game, and then you're stuck with, uh, you know, Arkansas versus uh, Valdosta State or something, all due respect to Valdosta State. But, you know, if, if you had – good SEC matchups, you'd watch football all day. You wouldn't get up and go rake the leaves. You'd just stay there in front of the TV and go do it on Sunday. But uh, the bottom line is, you know, this is one of those deals. We, we've never played 10 SEC games before. And there are a lot of people out there advocating and saying, this is how it should be all the time. I completely disagree. I think, why would you make it even more difficult for your members' institutions to make it to the playoff? You know, if it's not going to be a uniform schedule across the board, then why would you do it? I, I think the eight conference games, because our conference is so brutal and the schedule so demanding, is the right way to go. Not to mention you've got to be able to get – you want more home games than you do away games. And if you played this straight conference schedule like this, you know, five and five, let's say you add two non-conference, what's the chances you get those every year at home? Probably pretty slim. So then, then you're looking at six and six. It's difficult to sell season tickets. You, know, you want to be able to have seven home games because that, that kind of drives the bus, even if one of those games is against an in-state swack. I mean, you know, that's just the bottom line. I don't see enough wrong with the schedule to have to change it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Why would the SEC want to impede their team's progress of getting to the playoffs or the New Year's Six? It doesn't make any sense to me. Because you know, I can promise you, uh, USC and those guys are still going to play Sacramento State and people like that. It's not going to change. So uh, one of the things, too, and before, we, uh, before we move on from that, is um, he was asked about the Pac-12 stuff. Has he talked to any of his friends out there? What's their reaction? And, and, and pretty typical answer. I mean, you know, what you all would expect, you know, the people are just kind of confused that they made the decision as early as they did. Uh, so that, you know, that, that's part of it. And I don't think that that had a lot to do with the SEC. I think that's just kind of college football as a whole. And here's what he had to say. I think the cold reality that they can't play is paramount and frustrating. Of course it varies. Some thought hoping we can play, then we can't. Other just like they felt they made the decision too quickly because there's some more time. I can't think of anybody that's too pleased they pulled the plug this, this early. Uh, 
anytime somebody wants to hide behind something, they throw science out there. Everybody says the science, the science, the science. You can get whatever you want with the science. When the plug being pulled, some of them don't believe the science justified it. There will be some people that will respond to that, uh, but everything that Mike Leach said is 100% true. There are a lot of people out there when they can't support their side of an argument, they say, well, just look at the science, and they, they can't even explain the science to you. It's kind of become a catchphrase. You know, this is what the science shows. And it's on both sides of the debate, and I'm not going to offer an opinion on that. I'm just going to tell you, uh, I, I thought what Coach said was, was true, and uh, I don't know that Mississippi State fans, by and large, looked at that and said, well, let's talk about science. I wanted to talk about football. That's why I asked football questions. Uh, it is the first day of football camp, and I think it's important that uh, we give the coach an opportunity to, uh, you know, to play uh, some football. And I think it's it's good for us to get our fans kind of redirected into talking about some things that, um, you know, they're going to be in the future. You know, there's enough there's enough virus talk out there. You can find that whatever you want. I was looking for uh, for some football stuff. One of the final things I'll share with you, and you can, again, you can go read the transcript in its entirety over at jeanspage.com. It is a free article. And you can watch the video in its entirety, also a free article. But we talked about, you know, the playbook. Coach, you know, he's always told us that he'll have plenty of time to install and that uh, it's one of those deals where it's a simple system. He only needs a few weeks to kind of get everybody on the same page. But he was asked about that again yesterday, and he kind of had some measured marks where he says, I do think we'll have to simplify some things, and that's something we'll have to be as disciplined about as we can. What we did at Washington State was built over a series of years. Trying to master that in a short period of time is simply not realistic. We need to be constantly aware of that. The best players are the ones that you can execute. The best plays is what he said. We missed it in the transcript. The best plays are the ones you can execute. So we have to figure out what we can execute the best. We're still searching for that little bit, but I do think there will have to be some simplification. Uh, listen, that's, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. I don't know how much he'll have to, you know, to simplify it. I hate to use the phrase dumb it down. but uh, And how much of that will kind of grow and build over the season. I think week to week you add a little bit more and you kind of move forward with that. But, and listen, I thought Mike was good. He made a comment that, uh, that, I, that I know some people are going to talk about, about the schedule maker. Uh, he goes, how would you like to be the schedule maker? He goes, that's like wanting to be a police officer in Portland. And immediately, you know, there's some people that responded on social media. Listen, I thought it was a little bit funny. Uh, and I don't think he's making light of the situation in Portland. I don't think anybody... Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on have our chaps, our vest, and we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tecovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tecovas is you can wear them somewhere nice, or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, 
and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. At this point, that is an, that is an enviable position to go be a police officer in Portland. I think that is probably one of those, probably right now, one of the most dangerous jobs in America. Now, some would say, well, Steve, that was tacky and in poor taste. Okay, you're welcome to your opinion. I don't think it's a big deal, but there will be people to try to make it a big deal. Uh, you know, it is what it is. It, I thought it was a colorful metaphor. I don't have a problem with it. I know that other people will. And uh, there are some people that are going to have problems with no matter what you do or say. And Mike Leach, let's be honest, Mike, most people in the media absolutely love him, but there are you know, a couple guys out there that seem to have a crusade against him. And so no matter what he says or does, they're going to find fault in it. And you just can't live your life trying to please those people. Not just if you're Mike Leach, but all of us. There are a lot of people out there that got a lot of negative things to say, never have anything to produce. They're just psychic vampires sucking life off the rest of us. And uh, I just choose to kind of move on from that as best that I can. And so, again, people are going to react. Let them react. There's no need to engage because it's really a non-issue. And that's just my opinion on it. Speaking of opinions, the best cologne that I've ever had, Hawthorne, absolute. But got it on the day. Got up this morning, brought the kid to school, went ahead and put it on because I like to smell nice, guys. I, I, this is for me. This is something for me. And when you're around me, you're going to be glad that I want to look good and smell good. And the look good part, I can't help. But uh, I can always make myself smell a little bit better by using my Hawthorne cologne. You should get yours. One of the reasons that I love it is because it's, it's formulated for me. Based on my preferences, go to Hawthorne.co, that's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co, and take a short two-minute quiz. I don't think it takes two minutes. You know, what kind of drinks do you like, what kind of food do you like? I mean, it's easy stuff. You're not going to have to study for this. You just go click some buttons and you send it, and then they will pair you up with the products that best fit your preferences. I'm telling you, it's, it's a game changer. You want to improve your batting average with uh, your love interest? I'm telling you. This is going to do a lot better than just wearing the cologne that every other guy wears. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there to drive those, uh, you know, jacked up pickup trucks and wear their hats down low and their 
their pants are too long and they've got the loud cologne on, you, you can go try to fit in with those guys or you can do something that helps you stand apart. That's what Hawthorne.co is going to do for you. H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co, promo code BONEYARD to unlock some savings for you. Let's get into our top ten list. Today's request comes from the homie Robbie Grantham, originally from Kosciuszko, Mississippi, one of the whippets. Now lives in Brandon, Mississippi. Hit me up yesterday. Says, hey, Steve, I'm a big fan of top ten lists. It's a lot of fun. What about your favorite ten guitar solos? And, guys, I, I, I could do a whole show just about that. Absolutely good. So here's, here's the parameters, okay? I tried to pick the best solo from each guitarist. Only one. So, because, like, I could have George, I could have, like, four or five George Lynch solos in this list. I mean, and one of the things I didn't, I didn't do instrumentals either. I know that's a big thing too, because obviously Eruption by Eddie Van Halen is one of the greatest uh, guitar classics of all time. Here are a few others for you guitar aficionados out there. I'll throw out Mr. Scary off the uh, Back for the Attack Dockin' album. That's a George Lynch classic. I got a chance to hear him play that live at Rocklahoma. Absolutely destroyed it. I, I couldn't believe how good it was. The guy's a genius. I uh, had a chance to meet him a couple times. I'll tell you, he's so down to earth, probably the most unassuming rock star I've ever met. Just like talking to a regular guy. He just happens to play guitar and melt faces. All right, uh, another few. Ex- I didn't do any Joe Satriani. I know that you guys are going to complain. I just I don't do the instrumental stuff. But one of my favorite instrumental guitar songs that nobody, most people don't even know this. It's called Tears of Sahara by Tony McAlpine, but it's M-A-C- A-P-L-I-N-E, Tony McAlpine. Tears of Sahara, it's incredible. The tone is great. It's one of those songs, it doesn't even need any words. You know, it's like when, when Surfing from the Aliens on, it's a fun song. The Tears of Sahara is just one of those songs, when I hear it, man, it just relaxes me. It's good driving music. Uh, Tony is an underappreciated genius. Okay, so here are the, the honorable mentions, and I know that there will be some people that, uh, that will disagree uh, with some of this, and that's okay. Uh, one of them is Lightning Strikes, Jakey e. Lee from Ozzy Osbourne's band. Love, I love that that Ultimate Sin album. I'll tell you, it's one of my favorites from start to finish. There are no skips. The Jakey e. Lee years were the better years. I, the songs are better. You know, we can say Randy was a more technical player. He was. Zach's probably a little bit more of a rocker. But the songs during the Bark at the Moon, Ultimate Sin, that was when Ozzy was at his peak. I'm just telling you, that's the truth. Another one of my favorite Jake songs off that album is Killer of Giants. That, that is beautiful. That is beautiful work. Okay, I didn't get George Lynch in the top ten because I had to move some things around because I didn't want to be you guys thinking less of me. But one of my favorites, one of my favorite songs of all time, uh, and one of my favorite albums of all time is the first Lynch Mob album. Matter of fact, I'm wearing my Lynch Mob shirt right now. But it's the title track, Wicked Sensation. The guitar on that is so incredible. Like, as soon as that thing comes on, I immediately reach for the volume. It's like it's one of those songs that just elevates my mood. Wicked Sensation, incredible. And you can guess what that song is about. Uh, Another classic guitar solo that didn't make the list, Vernon Reed's Cult of Personality from Living Color. That song, tremendous. I love when Cult of Personality came out. They've got some great songs. They're another underappreciated band. But that obviously was their big one. Cult of Personality was great. I, I like uh, Open Letter to a Landlord. There's so many other great songs on there that, um, that you can get excited about. Love Rears its Ugly Head. Um, 
I didn't do any Megadeth, and even though that I, you know Marty Friedman was a freak. Along the Ozzy line, too, honorable mention, breaking all the rules from Zach Wilde. A lot of you guys are going to say, you know what, Steve, it should be this, it should be that. I think breaking all the rules is one of those songs that kind of gets passed over a little bit in favor of some other ones. But the guitar solo on that song, to me, that is quintessential Zach Wilde. So here's the top ten. And I know that I'm going to get in trouble because I'll be honest with you, I don't have the confidence in this because I am such a metal freak. There's, I know that I'm leaving somebody out there, but there is no C.C. DeVille on this list. None. None. So you radio metal fans can go listen to whatever. Go look, listen to that whenever you want to. But there is no C.C. DeVille on here. There's no Pretty Boy Floyd. None of that. None of the, the true Revlon rockers. And you say, oh, well, Steve, you like Motley Crue. Motley Crue rocks. All right, number 10 for me, Master of Puppets, Kirk Hammett of Metallica. I could have gone with one here. I think one is a killer, but, man, that whole Master of Puppets song, the whole thing is like a solo. It's just incredible. It's one lick after another. Number nine, one of my favorite guitarists of all time, Warren D. Martini of Rat. I went with Round to Round. I could have gone with so many others. I could have gone with uh, You Think You're Tough. I could have gone with Lay It Down, You're In Love. Uh, Warren D. Martini is a next-level guitarist that almost gets overlooked, which Rat doesn't get enough respect either. Uh, a more modern one, one of my favorite guitarists of all time, one of the only guys who still does guitar solos, is Mark Tremonti from Alter Bridge. The song Isolation, if a rattlesnake could play a guitar... That's what I think he would play when that guitar solo starts on Isolation. There's never been a bad Alter Bridge album. I love AB3. My favorite album of theirs is, uh, is Blackbird. Uh, absolutely love that album. I've got a Blackbird tattoo. Mark Tremonti is probably the guy right now, probably the greatest modern-day guitarist alive. Nobody in this generation does it like him. And he's a metal guy. All right, number seven, and this is going to be lower on my list than it would be on other people, and I could have picked a number of songs here. I started to go November Rain because I love it, but I went Sweet Child of Mine for Slash. And yeah, Steve, Slash should be higher. I I think Slash is an icon. Uh, But uh, I I really like his rhythm playing, like Double Talk and Jive and all that stuff, the Use Your Illusion 2 albums. I love all of that. But I think the best solo is Sweet Child of Mine. I think that is, that's the one when I hear it, it's almost like a, it's like I feel a little creak in my jaw or something. Like it's just, it, it affects me. Uh, number six for me, and some of you are going to say, Steve, this guy shouldn't be as high, but you're wrong. It's Too Young to Fall in Love, McMars, Motley Crue. Could have gone Girls, Girls, Girls here. Could have gone Dr. Feelgood. Could have gone Use It or Lose It. There's a lot to get deep into the catalog with Mick. Looks at Kills, another great solo. I think Too Young to Fall in Love, I think the tapping on that is next level. Mick Mars, if I, was, if I was to ever name an award for the most underappreciated guitarist, it would be the Mick Mars Award for America's most underappreciated guitarist because Mick Mars does not get the credit. Because, listen, he's, he's in a band with three huge personalities, and so we, you kind of get a little bit of fatigue and you think, you know, okay, well, Mick's just kind of there as the wallpaper, but Mick is a shredder. Number five, this is one of the greatest guitar songs of all time, Yankee Rose, Steve Vai. And I could have gone with anything off of Love and Warfare. I could have gone with uh, Wings of the Storm 
off that White Snake Slip of the Tongue album. Incredible. Steve Vai is a guy that's probably better not in bands for some reason or another. But I've got that number five. Number four for me, and you know I had to get Eddie on here somewhere, right? I had to get Eddie in here, and that's going to be Hot for Teacher. So many great things in that song. Not just the video, but the song itself, musically, next level. Uh, number three, you know Randy was going to be in here at some point, and it's got to be Crazy Train. That's the Randy song, right? I mean, there's so many great songs, but that's the one. You know, I know we, you know, Mr. Crowley and others, those are good shredding songs, but uh, I think Crazy Train, That when you think Ozzy Osbourne, you think Crazy Train. And as much as I love Jackie Lee years, and as much as I love Zach Wilde, it'll always be Ozzy and Randy for me. Number two, and most of you that don't know music would not have this quite as high as I do, and you'd be wrong. And this is a song, actually, Robbie Grantham let me pick the song. I gave him a couple options because I love Nuno Bentoncourt from Extreme. He is phenomenal. You talk about guys that, uh, that can tap the guitar and display with such speed. You know, Go listen to his uh, cover of Flight of the Bumblebee, that, that classic song. It is remarkable. But, Robbie, I went with uh, Play With Me off uh, the first album and the Bill and Ted's uh, Excellent Adventure soundtrack. Go listen to that today. It is unlike anything else. And it, it, Listen, when we were in high school and that thing came out, you were like, what in the world is happening with music? How, how fast are we going to play? My goodness. And the thing about Nuno, too, is it's not just speed with him. He's got such feel and such great tone. Love that guy. And, you know, the, the second album, Porno Graffiti, like, it's a monster. They're, they're, that's You can put that album on, even if you don't know the words or even know the songs, you can just put that album on let it go. And, of course, there's a couple of radio hits on there, you know, More Than Words and Wholehearted. But uh, love Nuno Bencourt, another underappreciated genius. But number one for me, and I'll be honest with you, I probably should have had at least an honorable mention for Carry On My Wayward Son because uh, Carrie, the, the whole thing, Carry On My Wayward Son, the whole thing is a solo. And Kansas is another under, underappreciated group by this generation. But number one for me, the greatest solo of all time, it's Stairway to Heaven, Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin. I don't know how anybody could could disagree with that. I mean, listen, there's some people out there, technically, that might be better than Jimmy Page. But the way this thing was put together was just masterful. I love it. And every time that that song comes on, it doesn't. I can't get the volume loud enough when it gets to that breakdown and you get into the solo. It's just one of those songs it stays with you. So that's top 10 list. If you have an idea for top 10 list, hit me up. Let me know. I might use it. I don't use them all, but I do use most of them. And, I, and listen, I got, I got in trouble yesterday because I did the rock covers thing. And I had uh, somebody who has been on me about that for weeks. It said, well, I'm going to find out what their negotiating skills are because you didn't, you didn't give me credit for it. Well, I'm not going to give you credit for it today either, but at least you hear me talk about it. I just think it's funny because like, I, sometimes I get so many, I can't remember who asked first. But my little helper thought of that, and I, and I kept saying, well, you know, I've, I've already done that, I've already done it, I've already done that one. And, uh, but listen, we can always talk good rock covers. Okay, so Campus Bookmart, uh, you can rock and roll with Stan the Man over there. Go by, put on a, put on a rat T-shirt, and go by, and Stan, uh, Stan's happy to serve you at Campus Bookmart. Miss Kathy Brown, the, probably the best buyer around. She will find anything you need Mississippi State-related encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Go ahead and spend your money wisely rather than paying for shipping. Go ahead and get 50 bucks worth of merch rather than paying the mailman. 
right? Let's stand and stand Ray and them pay that freight for you. Go ahead and get get an extra mask. That's one thing. Like even today, I bring my kid to school. I've got my my mask in my car, and I'm like, dude, you got your mask? Oh no, I forgot. So then I got to trade out. It's probably good to have some extra masks tucked away in the glove box because you never know when you're going to be wanting to go out to eat and, you, and you, everybody in your party doesn't have their mask with them. It's a different day and time. you got to be prepared. So order yourself some Mississippi State masks today from campusbookmart.net. Use promo code BSR and make sure you get over 50 bucks because you've earned it. You, you deserve it. Okay, a few more things. Okay, so Powers Warren practice yesterday, and I want to address this because I know it's going to be an issue, and I don't want it to be an issue for the kid. And I, I hate to call him a kid, but if they're my kid's age, I kind of feel obligated. But uh, listen, Powers Warren had nothing to do with the Big Ten. He's got, it just so happens, Powers Warren, uh, his dad is the Big Ten commissioner. He wasn't the Big Ten commissioner when Powers signed with Mississippi State out of IMG. And there are a lot of people that are going to try to make a story out of this and say, oh, you know, listen, you know, Powers Warren is playing at Mississippi State and his dad never counts on football in the Big Ten. Powers has got nothing to do with that. You know, it's not like Powers is going up there getting on the Zoom calls and say, yeah, we're going to play, you guys don't. And then people are being critical of, uh, of his dad saying, hey, you know, well, he can't go watch his kid play. But listen, that's a decision he's got to make. He's got to carry his own weight. But I, I don't want to see this be a situation where – Powers Warren, a backup tight end at Mississippi State, who's a good kid, gets kind of thrust into the spotlight here unfavorably through no fault of his own. I, I don't want to see that happen. Uh, and I had some people this morning say, hey, you guys didn't ask about Powers Warren. I'm like, why would I ask about Powers Warren? Why do we want to create a story about that? And I said, well, you know, don't you think it's kind of silly that the Big Ten doesn't want to play and then the commissioner's kids play? Yeah, but what does that got to do with Powers? I mean, why, why should he have to carry that weight and that burden? It's got nothing to do with him. Nothing. And uh, I'm sure it bothers him uh, to have to see his dad's name thrust into that. Yeah, that's part of the deal. But here's something that I bet you don't know. That you bet, And you're going to be surprised that I know this. But I've got some inside information. Here's one of the things that I'm going to share with you about Powers Warren and his family. Because I think it's important that you guys understand what a quality young man this guy is. Powers Warren and his family have a family FaceTime prayer every day. Every day. They get together, they FaceTime, have a fam chat for a few minutes, they talk about their day, and they have a prayer every single day. And that's something probably we should all do, right? And I think that says a lot about the people involved in that. And sometimes we forget. You know, when people get out there and they make decisions and they're involved in public politics or in, you know, public matters, sometimes we forget the fact that behind this person is a family that loves them and cares about them and that when listen when their name is brought into public criticism or controversy they carry the burden too and so powers warren is one of us he's one of ours and so i think it's important for mississippi state folks to say listen hey this kid came to mississippi state this is a guy that just wants to play football i don't think his name has to be associated with that but it's going to be and it's not his fault and so my hope is is that our mississippi state folks can kind of say you know what hey if you see that online, if you see some social media commentary and you see people railing on it, maybe step up and defend the kid a little bit. So you know what? Hey, it's got nothing to do with this. Keep this kid's name out of your mouth. He's got nothing to do with this. And speaking of the Big Ten, I don't know if you're aware, there is, uh, appears to be a revolution brewing up there. And again, let's get back to this too. Again, I'm not going to sit here and defend everybody. But the bottom line is, it's the university presidents that make these decisions. You know, it's like these commissioners sometimes are almost given too much credit and too much criticism. You know, it's not like Greg Sankey can come out there and just kind of unilaterally make a decision 
you know, it's adverse to the will of the university presidents. If the university presidents voted 14 to nothing, hey, we're not going to play football, Greg Sankey can't just come out and say, you know what, forget those guys, we're going to play. That's not how life works. Greg Sankey is not the owner of the SEC. Just like Commissioner Warren is not the decision maker in the Big Ten. This is a guy that acts at the behest and under the direction of the league presidents. Now, of course, he's a decision maker when it comes to protocols and that sort of stuff, but he can't just go out there and say, okay, we're not going to do this. Well, now you got six teams in the Big Ten saying, you know what, we're going to go play each other. We're going to play. We're going to figure it out. There's a revolution at stake. Uh, and that's one of the things I think about. People say, well, you know, are we too far down you know, the rabbit hole to get back to reality? And you know, I don't know if that's the case. I just think I don't know that at this point, once you make a decision, and this is what good leadership is. You make a decision, you stick with it. If you, if you say you went through all these meticulous medical reports and you got the advice of the experts and you made a decision you thought was for the betterment of your student athletes, you make that decision and you stick with it. Because if you make it and then all of a sudden you start reacting to public pressure and reacting to the fallout, that's what undermines your leadership. Now all of a sudden people say, this guy's a weak leader. You know, I have been so privileged over my lifetime to work for some great people and some great men that, uh, you know, listen, I worked for a guy named Jim Glover. He was the regional vice president with Halleck Myers Furniture, and, and uh, Brian Gahagan was my supervisor, and, and um, Jim was over Brian. And uh, this is a guy that made a tremendous impact on my life, and I don't even think that he realizes it. And uh, as when he came down to see me, and I was kind of a rising star in the company, and I was kind of a fix-it guy that would move me around. I would go to these troubled stores, and Jim Glover came in one day, and and I was sitting there, and I guess I was just kind of whining and complaining, you know, about some things. And, you know, we were doing okay, but I was like, you know, we got this to deal with and that to deal with. And he looked at me, and he goes, you know what, Steve? He goes, whenever you get tired of it, you'll do something about it. And that's what it takes sometimes. It takes somebody in charge getting tired of it to fix it. And so when I think about, you know, these leaders that we have today, there are a lot of times that, you know, people are too aware of public perception, and they are too responsive and too sensitive at times to social media polls. They're trying to please Twitter. If you've done your due diligence, you've done your homework, and you're confident in your decision, you make it and you stick with it. And so, I, you know, I, I think we're probably about to see some unprecedented times in the Big Ten. If these schools try to push ahead and play, and it's against the, uh, you know, the conference you know, what does that mean for the conference going forward? Well, certainly probably, you know, probably means the end of the road for, for Commissioner Warren, you know, because I'm sure he'll be scapegoated in a deal whether, you know, he had any role to play in this whole thing or not. But those are the things that I think about. It's like, okay, they, they were, we were told initially that the vote was 12-2 to 2 with Iowa and Nebraska being the holdouts not wanting to play. And what's so interesting, Mike Nemeth initially had said, you know, Steve, it's probably Ohio State. I bet you Ohio State was one of the dissenting votes. And then we find out later that the vote was actually closer to eight to six. And I began to think then you may you basically made a decision on, on, on one vote because if one of those votes goes the other way, it's a deadlock. And I think they probably leaked that vote out there to give some schools, you know, a chance to save face. But now all of a sudden you see these other schools that are rising up and they want to play and there's, you know, a revolution at stake here, you know, in, in many respects, and people probably won't like that phrasing that I use, and that's okay too. But there is mutiny in the Big Ten. And as the Big Ten goes, goes to Pac-12. 
And that kind of goes back to Mike Leach's question. A lot of people out there that are disappointed with the timing of the decision, and we have talked about that on this show and others, there was no need for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to make the call in August. We could wait to game week, if necessary, to make that decision. And so, you know, the students weren't even back on campus yet. And then there is this whole deal with North Carolina and the ACC. I see it a little differently than other people do. People say, oh, Steve, you this, this stuff's happening and we're going to go online and this is the, it's the end of the world as we know it, to borrow a phrase from Michael Stipe. But here's the other side of that. If I'm, if I'm Clemson, I'm thinking, okay, well, these guys at UNC, they're essentially in a bubble. My kids have to go to class. My kids have to interact. And so is North Carolina getting an unfair advantage through all this? I mean, and you said, Steve, it's a little bit of a reach. Is it? Is it a reach? If uh, you know Clemson may have to make some decisions, say, hey, we're going to do this. And, and here's what happens is once one school says, hey, we're going to go 100% online, and maybe that's a safety precaution, but it brings out you know the, the Corona Bros lobby. They all come out and immediately jump on that and immediately want to make sure that's the, everybody's got to do it, everybody's got to do it, everybody's got to do it, everybody's got to do it. And uh, it, it's just so tiresome. I mean, it really – I know you all feel the same way. It is so incredibly tiresome, the beat of the negative drum – over and over. I'm no Pollyanna, contrary to popular belief. I don't always need to be, you know, told how wonderful I am to make me feel special. I don't. I don't need that. I also don't believe that. Uh, I don't always believe that things are going to be okay. You know, sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes you have to make difficult decisions that are unpopular. But it's one of these things too that I, I just wish things were a little more measured. Let me encourage you, if you hadn't done so, go to alphadogsthebook.com. You can go ahead and pre-order your personalized copies. And, and you guys have been so kind to me. I've had Every day I get dozens of messages from people that uh, are sending me the screenshot of their order. They bought the book. Say, Steve, I'll let you know I'm supporting you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I've told you in your messages. Let me tell you now. Thank you. It means more to, you, more to me than I can ever say. I put my heart in these books. And uh, I, when I first moved to Starkville, that's one of my goals. I said, I want to tell the Mississippi State story. I don't just want to do it on the Internet as much as I love doing that. I don't want to just do it in magazines and that sort of stuff or on the radio. I want to be able to write books. I want to be able to write things that are substantial that people will keep. that will be important to them. I had somebody just last night send me a picture of their copy of Flim Flam on their Mississippi State shelf in their home. I, I can't tell you what that means to me. But these books are important to me because I think they're important to you. And I wouldn't have written and spent all this time and effort if I didn't think it mattered to you. It's not a vanity project. It's about documenting our history for the present and future generations. That's why I do it. And I'm going to continue to do it as long as you guys keep buying them. We'll have our email blast and that sort of stuff coming out soon. And for those of you that have bought books in the past, you may need a little reminder. Not everybody listens to the podcast. Not everybody listens uh, to the Facebook Live show. Not everybody follows me on Twitter. Matter of fact, a small population of those groups do. Small percentage. So people always say, hey, Steve, love the show. You want to support me? Go buy a book. And even if you don't read, buy one for somebody else in your family. Alphadogsbook.com. And we've actually sold as many flim flams as we have Stark Villains here in the last week. You guys are buying those books too. And again, thank you. If you're looking for Stark Villains merch, and you should be, you should, especially if you're local, Go to StarkVillains.com and order yourself some shirts. You can get hoodies. It's going to be cold. Believe it or not, at some point it's going to be cold. You're going to wish you had a hoodie. And every time that I wear a Stark Villains shirt around Starkville, every single time, I have somebody say, man, I like that shirt. Where'd you get that? 
every time. There's only one place to get it, and that's at StarkVillains.com. You can't get it anywhere else. Now officially trademarked by the United States Patent Office. How cool is that? Got the trademark on that. So you can go get a Stark Villain shirt and know that it's, uh, it's protected by trademark. Really cool thing. So we're going to have uh, players and coaches tonight. And so we're going to kind of filter that content out the rest of the week. And so when we get back together on Friday, I'll talk about some of the things that we've learned. Uh, these Zoom calls are also protected. That's one thing that I, you know, there are a lot of people out there, I guess, that, like if they give the link out to people, anybody can go. Uh, these are protected. And so they send, the, this, they send a link to us with a password and ID and everything because you don't just want anybody showing up. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't just, it's just, it's one of those things. Can you imagine, you know, people showing up, coming to your Zoom call and just kind of taking over what a disaster that might be. And so I commend Mississippi State Media Relations for, for doing something smart at a time when things are awfully inconvenient. And uh, listen, I thought Mike Leach did good last night. It was, it was good to hear him talk about Mississippi State. And listen, he'll get more familiar with the team. I, I kind of laugh about some of that too. Uh, uh, it's just part of the deal. You know, you, you get to know your kids and you get to know what they can do and what they're about, and then uh, and you'll develop more of a relationship. But they hadn't been together. That's the thing that people don't seem to understand. Up until this summer, they hadn't been together, and then the coaches couldn't interact with them on the field during the voluntary workouts. And so, not to mention, you know, your head coach is the offensive coordinator. You know, so I, you know, I would be a little more concerned if uh, if he didn't know his quarterbacks or his receivers. You know, so. Yeah, there's a couple DBs in there maybe he's not quite as familiar with. Is it really that big a deal long-term? No, probably not. I thought he handled it pretty well. But I do think when I asked him the question, he was a little bit unprepared for it. And I know some people are going to be critical of that. But you know what? Give the guy a break. We're, in, we're living in the middle of a global pandemic. And this guy's getting through with his first football practice, blowing a Mississippi State whistle in his life. Let's, let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate the fact that we've taken another step in the journey. And we're going to claim yesterday as another win. That's the thing. You start stringing these things together, man, and all of a sudden you start feeling good. And, and, and we prepare you. There's going to be some negativity between now and the time that we play. You know, if we can get through Labor Day without the world going crazy, I think there's a good chance that we'll, we'll stay the course here. But uh, everybody needs to remain vigilant, continue to do what you got to do. You know, you, I'm not going to sit here and preach to you. You understand what you got to do to protect yourselves and protect those around you. It's one of those deals that uh, – we're in this thing together, and, and I think I think America needs college football. You know, we love the NFL, even though I think it's somewhat sanitized. I mean, there's just so much more passion in the college game, and uh, it's one of those things that unites us, and I think we need some of that. There's so much division, and you know, we've got elections and that kind of stuff. I can't wait for the election to be over so some of you people will start posting pictures of your food again rather than some meme that's incorrect and has bad information. There's so much of that out there. I could talk about that all day, but I'm not going to because, this, again, this is a football show. So I'll be back on Friday and uh, looking forward to being with you. And, uh, again, it's, it's your third boneyard in as many days. So enjoy it. And you know, also, you've probably also noticed that the shows have gotten a little bit longer. Well, one of the reasons is, is I've got some new advertisers coming on at the end of the month. And so I don't want to give you less show when I add more advertisers. And that was one of the things when we were Bulldog Sports Radio – because the Boneyard and then Brian's show, were, you know, we were the two that were killing it. And so people wanted to advertise with us. And so what happened, I was doing a 25, 30-minute show, and it seemed like half the time I'm reading ads. And so I'm like, you know, I'm going to go ahead and ramp up the duration and quality of this show before we add advertisers because I don't want you to think, oh, well, he's doing 50 minutes, but he's adding in a couple more minutes of, of ad read. So I'm giving you this bonus content in advance of that. So there's going to be a couple more. Hawthorns are going to rotate off. I'm going to replace them, but I'm going to add somebody else. So you're going to have one more ad break, but you're still getting 10 more minutes of show. 
That's a great deal for you, considering you get all this for free, right? Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.